Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. Pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech. Thank you for the spirit of the instructor that is here, the Holy Spirit, who will teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11. And that's been our foundational text for our, our series on what's the big deal about Christmas. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11. Verse 5, for proper context. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being the form of God, did not consider it to be robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Now, if you look at this scripture, Apostle Paul was exhorting the Philippian church to just be humble. They decided to use Christ as a model for humility. But in his exhortation on humility to the Philippian church, you also can't help but notice some very salient and powerful truths that form the basis of our series. Um, verse 6 is where we started from. We looked at the relevance of Christmas. If you look at verse 6, the Bible lets us know that Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it to be to be rob to consider it robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus is God. And God came on earth. That is the relevance of Christmas. That's why we celebrate that, you know. So Christmas is not just about carols, the mistletoes, the exchange of gifts. which are all side effects of Christmas. And we are not saying you shouldn't indulge in that. But we should always try and remember the reason for the season. And the reason for the season is Christ God became man. It's amazing. In some other Christian circles, it's called the incarnation. Became a man. Became a baby. Became a fetus. Humbled himself as humiliation. The second thing that we learned from the Christmas story is the reality of Christmas. So God did not just come to earth. He became a man. 
And you see that in verse 7. He took on the form of a bond servant, came in the likeness of man. And we learned that last week. You know, Jesus had to go through the whole, the whole package, the full experience of being man. Jesus is not like one of those Greek gods where you can use the concept of apathia. He's not apathetic. He's very empathetic and sympathetic. That's what makes, if you want to call this, this religion, a religion, a graceful one. Because Jesus has stood where we have stood. And that's why he's able to give us grace. He understands. He's not abstract. And we, we learned about four points about he was born like us. He grew like us. He was tempted like us. And he suffered like us. The whole package, the whole human experience, Jesus experienced, even though he was God. Amen. So that is the reality of Christmas today. We are just going to take one verse and look at something. Amen. So let's read verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Amen. So today we are looking at the reason for Christmas. <clears throat> we so far looked at the relevance. God became, God came to earth. We've looked at the reality. Jesus, who is God, became man. Today, we want to look at the reason for Christmas. Jesus came to die. So the celebration of Jesus during Christmas is he was in a manger. He was a baby, baby. But he did not just stay in the manger. He went to a cross and voluntarily laid down his life. The Bible says that he was humble, that he walked the path of obedience all the way to death. That's the death on the cross. Uh, nobody puts him there without his permission. It was voluntary. But why did he allow himself to go to the cross? I believe that throughout the Bible, we can see a lot of reasons. But for this study and for the brevity of time, permit me to talk about two reasons. Uh, one, he went on the cross to demonstrate God's love. That's why he went to the cross. So Jesus came, became a man. Like I said, becoming a man was a downgraded experience. It wasn't really anything. He downgraded himself. Became a man. I remember the movie, the Coming to America movie. The prince was like, I want to tie my own shoelaces. The father responded, look, tying your shoelaces, I tried it once, it's an overrated experience. What the father really meant was, don't downgrade your experience from being the prince to becoming a commoner. 
I mean, if you watch the movie, that's what the movie is really about. Someone who is prestigious and wants to come down to the everyday realities of life. But you can mirror it that to Christ. Him becoming a man was a very downgrading experience. It was not really an upgrade. He is God in the form of God, part of the Godhead, downgraded himself, became a man. And when he became a man, he became a man just to die. That's why one of the, 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 the popular Christian songs, which is entitled Because He Lives, there's a phrase there, he lived to die. That's why Christ came. He didn't come on this earth to really live. He came to live to die. That's all, just to serve. And that is the reason for Christmas. And I want us to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He came to demonstrate God's love. Let me start from verse 6. Things better from verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died. So Christ also died to fulfill time. <clears throat> Every, everything that happened did not happen by happenstance. It all happened in the program and the time and the agenda of God. This word in due time means salvation was planned beforehand. Salvation is not an accident. It was planned beforehand. That's why in the book of Revelation, Jesus is known as that the lamp of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. It, it means that salvation was a foreknowledge of God. It wasn't an accident. God did not think of salvation after the sin of Adam. Salvation is not a happenstance because we just read it here. For when we were still with our strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It was in the program, it was in the agenda of God, it was part of the timeline that Christ would die for the ungodly. It's not a happenstance. When Adam sinned, it never shocked God. Like, whoops, my creation has sinned. Now, let me try and make profit. It didn't surprise him. Before the foundation of the world, salvation was a foreknowledge of God. It was in his agenda before the foundation of the world. So in due time, it had to fulfill the timelines that God had made that Christ would die for the ungodly. And we were without strength. And this word, we knew we were without strength. I believe we all remember we did the book of Romans. Without strength means man could not save himself. Man had really come to the end of himself. You are without strength. You can't do anything to merit salvation. At our weak moments where you can't gain anything from the relationship, God took an extra step by sending his son, Christ, to die for us. This is the reason for Christmas. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the, the epitome of God's love is in the death of his son. So if we really want to know whether Christ died or God loves us, it shows in the death of his son. That is the highest. There is nothing that is higher than that. To die for you so that all your sins will be absolved, that you can be called the righteousness of God. There is nothing higher than that. And the end result of it all is that we will get to be together with him in eternity. That is the highest form of love. The highest form of love is not God giving you a miracle, God giving you a car. Because uh, you can gain all these things <laughs> without God. You can have miracles without God. Miracles can exist without God. Charm can exist without God. That's salvation. Solidity your Gloria. It's only God. Amen. So, wonders is not the reason. Like I've mentioned this story before. I remember one time I was walking somewhere. Someone called me. He mentioned my whole name. He's not a Christian. Not a, not a Christian. He gave me his card. He's not a Christian. He said, let me see your palm. He mentioned my name, everything. My family. <laughs> He just read my background to me. It's not a Christian. So the, the sign of God lovingness is not miracles or wonders. That's why I say all these days you can gain them outside the view of Christ. The epitome of God's love is that he sent his son to die for us. So Jesus dying on the cross, the reason for Christmas is that Christ came to demonstrate God's love. And the best form of demonstration is sending his son, who is righteous, to die for sinful people, absolve them of their sin, expunge them of all their punishments, so that those who were once called sinners can now be called children of God because they are righteous. That is the epitome of God's love. And the way Jesus demonstrated that love to his immediate audience, which were the disciples and the Jews, was to die on the cross. So that's why Christ came. That is the reason for Christmas. And then look at verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. What is justified? Justify is the act of declaring one righteous. And justify means just as if one hasn't sinned. You see, when we are justified, God sees us like we have never sinned. Never. That is the, the, the power of justification. And when Jesus died, the force of justification was on our behalf because of Jesus' blood that was shed, that we will be saved from wrath through him. So when we become Christians, we have been saved from the wrath of God. What a perfect way to let people know about the best gift of Christmas, who is Christ. The reason for Christmas is Jesus came to die. 
and he came to die so that he would demonstrate the love of God and the love of God in demonstration means you and I have been saved from the wrath of God and why have we been saved from the wrath of God because we have been justified through Christ and the blood was the agency through which we have been justified. We've been declared righteous. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen. So we are no longer enemies. So Christmas, we have every reason to rejoice because that was the end of enmity between God and man because of a middleman that came to stand in the gap to abridge the difference. We were reconciled to God. God has reconciled the world to himself because of his son. So Jesus came to die to demonstrate God's love. And that's how much you can know that God loves you. If you ever doubt God's love, look at the cross. The cross is a testament of God's love for you. And I pray that that will serve as comfort for you. So as we celebrate Christmas, never forget the price that God paid for you to be free from sin, for you to be free from his wrath, for you to experience a restored relationship because we are no longer at loggerheads. There is no enmity that exists between God and the world. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible lets us know that God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting trespasses. Why? Because of the death of his son. That's the reason for Christmas. So it's because of the death of Christ. That's why we can so much believe in the love of God. Because this love was demonstrated. It was demonstrated in real time. Christ being beaten, him subjected to himself to inhumane torture was a demonstration of God's love. And on Sundays, we are doing the book of John. And we looked at that phrase that Jesus said that the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. It talked about Jesus' sacrificial rule. He had to be the sinless lamb. Because during the Old Testament, for a lamb to be presentable for sacrifice, it had to be without blemish. And for a lamb to be without blemish, it's physical things. It has to be bereft of physical defects. It doesn't have to have a broken foot, you know, or everything. The lamb has to be healthy and whole. That's what it means that the lamb has to be without blemish. Likewise, when Jesus became the lamb of God, it had to be without blemish, meaning it didn't have to have sin. That is why Jesus, even though he, he came on this earth as man, he had to pay the price 
not to live a life of sin, to be very consecrated for 33 whole years so that he can present himself wholly to the Father as a sacrifice, as the sacrificial lamp for the sins of the world. He had to be without blemish. That's why I say he had to go through the whole human experience. He was tempted. We read it in Hebrews chapter 4. He was tempted in all points, yet without sin. Why? Because for this reason, he had to present himself. So all this even shows love. For Christ not to even give in to sin as a man, it even speaks to us and for the depth of love. Because if he had sinned, the ruler of this world could have accused them. And that's why he could boldly tell his disciples, and we just read it in John chapter 14, just last week when we did our John series, that the ruler of this world is coming, but he will find nothing in me because he's blameless. He qualifies to be the sacrificial lamp of this world without sin or without blemish for that matter. Amen. So Jesus loves us. And Jesus loving us is a mirror reflection of what God thinks of us. God loves us. Amen. Look at what Jesus even said himself in John chapter 15. John 15 verse 13. John chapter 15 verse 13. Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. This is Jesus. Greater love. So Christ is saying that you can't tell me any love that is higher than this love, than laying down your life. And the Bible lets us know that Jesus gave his life for us and we rejected him even before we knew him even before we were born he laid down his life so the reason for Christmas is Jesus came to die he came to die to demonstrate God's love and he said that greater love has no man than to lay down his life Jesus laid down his life the reason for Christmas is Jesus came to die. He came to die. That's why he had to downgrade his appearance and become man so that he could die. He couldn't die as God. He had to become man so that he could die for the sins of the world of mankind. Amen. Let's look at the second reason. Excuse me. 
The second reason is to pay for our sins. First Peter chapter two. Let's be that chapter two. Let's start from verse twenty one. So Jesus died to pay for our sins. I think even Romans made that clear. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin? Christ committed no sin. Christ committed no sin. Nor was deceit found in his mouth because he had to become the blameless sacrificial lamb. And like we, we, we learned in the Old Testament, you can't use a lamb, a goat, or any animal for that, for that fact if it's blemished. And for an animal, for it to become blemished means it has physical defects. That's all. It qualifies to make it uh, a blemished sacrifice. Jesus, for that matter, had to become sinless so that he will have no blemish. He had to become sinless in action, sinless in, in deed and in word, so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Think about it. That must have been very tough. That must have been tough. To live on this earth for 33 years without sin. And he was not doing it for himself. He was doing it to demonstrate God's love for us. He was doing it to pay for the sins of the world. Amen. Verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You see? So Jesus bore all the sins of the world in his body. That's why Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of this, he took all the sins, all the sins of the world, bore it on his body. And that's a heavy task. It is said that we are 8 billion. He bore 8 billion all of our sins. 
When Jesus died, I wasn't born, but he bore my son. You are not born. He bore all our sins, the sins of the world in his own body. Do you know the agony, the pain that he will have to go through just bearing that in his body? Because he had to be the sacrificial lamb. That is the reason for Christmas. And for me, this is my personal opinion. I believe that is the reason why Jesus sweated drops of blood. Because I don't think Jesus feared death. He never feared death. When Jesus was on this earth, he had conquered death. Because he is God. So he didn't fear death. That is why he could command people to just come out from the dead. He could raise people from the dead. I was not afraid of death. But I think that the, the pressure that really mattered to him was bearing all the sins of the world in his body. And then for the father to forsake him. Because the son has never experienced the father's abandonment until at the cross. I think that was the, the, the big picture for him. Not death. death. He didn't fear death. Never fear death. And how do you know that? He said it in John 10. He said, I lay down my life and I have the power to take it back. And so, so Jesus, he was not really killed by Romans, as some will say. He was also not killed by Jews, as some will want to say. I remember when the movie The Passion of Christ came out, you know, some were accusing Mel Gibson, who directed the movie for anti-Semitic remarks, like he painted the Jews in a bad picture. A whole lot, you know, it became very controversial. But <clears throat> Jesus was not killed neither by the Jews or by the Romans. Jesus said it in John 10, I gave my life, I laid down my life. And he said, I have power to take it back. So how can Jesus fear death? He has so much mastery, grasp over death. He had he had death in a chokehold. He, he had it in a strangle. Well, he's not afraid of death. But the, 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 the period of him having to bear all the sins of the world in his body for the father to forsake and for him to feel it and shout at the cross Eli Eli lama sabatani which means my father my father why have you forsaken me that I believe is what caused him to sweat drops of blood not death I am not afraid of death he is lord over death amen so he paid that heavy price just to pay for our sins. Just to pay for our sins. So that we can be justified. So that we can be righteous. So that we can have a place with him in eternity. Amen. That is the reason for Christmas. And with that, I believe we should have every reason to rejoice. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 2 verse 11.
when the angels met the wise men, or what some will call country shepherds, the angels announced to them straight the reason for Christmas and why the angels rejoiced. So when you look at verse 10, the angels said to the people, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Christmas is a time of great joy. It's a time of great joy, excuse me, not because of the gift you receive. It's a time of great joy, not because of the friends and family you will get to socialize with or the foods and drink that you will have. It's a time of great joy. Look at it. Because there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior. That's the word. A savior. A messiah. You see, when the Jews read this, their understanding of a savior was a savior in the like manner of Moses or a savior in the like manner of Joshua. A savior meaning he will save us from oppression because under this time, the Jewish people were under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire at that time had become a very um, fortified and the most feared empire in the world, you know. So the Roman Empire was in charge here. So when the Jews heard that there was going to be a savior, they thought of, oh, he's going to come in like in the fashion of Moses to save us from the oppressive regime of the Roman Empire. Because at this time, the Jews were now experiencing colonization. This is where colonization started from. Jews were starting to dress like Roman. They started speaking Roman language, you know, and the like. So there were many Jews who were not really pure Jews. You know, you, you were a Jew by heritage, but by citizenship, you might be a Roman. And that was happening at that time. Jews had started to take on Roman names and, and things like that, you know. So... They were worried. They, they, what, they were praying and believing God that we want someone who will come in the like manner of Moses to deliver us. So when they said the word Savior, this is what they thought of. But Jesus came as a Savior in a bigger picture. He came to deal with a pandemic. It's a real pandemic that has seized the whole world, which was called S-I-N, sin. He came as a savior to deliver us from that. He was not too interested in political kingdoms or setting himself a kingdom. Not really. He came to save us from the sins of the world. So Jesus is a savior. So the angels were rejoicing about this. This is what they called great tidings of great joy. So Christmas is a season for us to experience great tidings of great joy. Why? Because we now know the reason for Christmas. Jesus came to die. He came to die to demonstrate God's love. He came to die to pay for our sins. So as you celebrate Christmas, remember the demonstration of God's love. God loves you. And if you ever doubt God's love, look at the cross. The cross should serve as a perfect example of God loving you.
And this love was demonstrated in real time. Jesus died. Came to die. That you will be justified. That your sins will be paid for. That you can say that I am the righteousness of God. That we can boldly and confidently believe in the love of God. Knowing that God is not imputing trespasses against the world. But he has reconciled the world to himself on the reason of his son's death. That's good news. The reason for Christmas. The reason for Christmas is not sales. The reason for Christmas is not food and drink. The reason for Christmas is a savior was born. Not a political savior or a political messiah, but a savior indeed who saved us from the sins of this world. That we are now saved from the wrath of God. There's something called the wrath of God, ladies and gentlemen. Be saved from the wrath of God. When you and I become believers, we have escaped the wrath of God. Don't experience the wrath of God. That is good news. Amen. Isaiah prophesied about him. Of the inhumane torture that Christ was going to go through. He was going to be trampled, beaten, until he didn't even look like a man. Why? It's, it's just to demonstrate God's love. Christ was beaten so he didn't become like a man. Just to demonstrate God's love. Christ was beaten on, until he became like a dead piece of meat. Why? So that our sins would be paid for. And when Christ was on the cross, believe you me, he thought of you, he thought of me, even though we were not born. He took the sins of the whole world. And that is how powerful his death is. His death is so powerful that he just had to die once just to take care of the sin issue. That's it. Once. He took care of the sins of the Jews at that time, everybody which included us. He doesn't have to go on the cross. Every time someone sins, his death is that powerful to stop sin in its tracks that you and I can be justified. His death is so powerful enough to save us from God's wrath to come. His death is so powerful that because of that, you and I are justified by his blood. And this same blood that was shed almost 2,000 years ago is still speaking. It's speaking mercy. It's speaking forgiveness. It's speaking grace. There's a reason for Christmas. Jesus came to die. And from what we have learned from Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, we have learned that he was humble. He walked the path of obedience all the way to death to demonstrate God's love, to pay for our sins. Think about it. Tough. 
This is a real mission impossible. But Christ made the mission possible because he taught of us. Still must be God's love. So today, feel the love of God. All right. You may not have your Christmas shoe. You may not be able to have that money to afford uh, the sale, uh, whatever. Don't feel depressed. Feel the love of God. Christmas is a time of great tidings, of great joy. Christ died for you. That you don't have to remain a sinner. Christ died for you so that you can be justified. Christ died for you so that you could be declared righteous. Christ died for you so that you are safe from the wrath of God to come. Christ died for you so that one day you and I can spend eternity with God our Father, which is our real destiny. Christ died for us so that we too have also experienced victory over death. And, and we will experience the culmination of that victory when this end of the age occurs. And that's why I think one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 15. Because when you read 1 Corinthians 15, it's such a perfect scripture on how Christ's death has swallowed death up in victory, swallowed hell up in victory, to the point that when this end of the age comes, we will have glorified bodies. Hallelujah. We, 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 we will put on immortality. We will put on incorruptibility. This mortal and corrupt body flesh will have to give way for the immortality and the incorruptibility of God's body that he has for us. Such a beautiful story. The reason for Christmas is Jesus died for us. Amen. So God loved us by sending his son to become the perfect sacrifice. He never sinned. Indeed or in action, he never sinned with his words. And the book of James says that if you are not able to sin with your mouth, if you are to bridle your mouth, this man is perfect and he has control by his body. That was Christ. He had to go through the pains of that, the pains. <laughs> Think about it. It must be very painful. But he did all that so that he could become the sacrificial lamb, so that he could say one day that the ruler of this age is coming, but he will find nothing in me. Sinless. So that he could be presented as the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. Amen. Look, I could go on and on and on about this because I didn't just get excited thinking about it now. I think I'm out of time. I'm, I'm five minutes to close. Let me, let me just end it here, okay? And if you have any question, if you have any contribution, the floor is open. So we've learned about the relevance of Christmas. God came to earth. Jesus, who thought it's not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus is God. So God came to earth. That was Jesus. Number two, the reality of Christmas. God became man. He became man. 
It's the reality. Put on flesh. And John said it in John 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became man. He, he experienced the total package of what it's meant to be human. And then number three, the reason for Christmas. Jesus died. And God willing, next week, we'll end our series by talking about the results of Christmas. Amen. God bless you. Floor is open. I'm done. Who has any question or contribution? Oh, please don't go quiet on me. Participate. Okay, um, I, I liked how you took it from, um, from Philippians, from the verse 8. Actually, been liking how each and every single verse uh, means something about um, Christ. And um, I, I, I just enjoy like just getting back to the center about what um, Christmas was all about. So, yeah, that's it. Amen. Oh, what 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 ministered to you tonight? I think you just gave me an overview. Um. So for me, it's um. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're saying. Christmas. It's you. You have. You still have a reason to um to celebrate Christmas because Christmas um means that. We um, whatever enmity that was between us and God, I mean, has been taken away. That, that is not the enemy. So it doesn't matter what you're going through; you still have a reason to um, celebrate Christmas. So thank you. Um, we still have a reason to celebrate. Amen. I still have a question. Yes. Yeah, so how do we respond to people who um? describe christian as a pagan celebration what should be the accurate response to such people all right that's a that's a very good question because like we said you can't really say that christ was born on christmas like we said during the introductory uh, notes um the reason why we, we, 25th is chosen is because it's speculated and believed that um, Jesus was given birth 
around the winter solstice. So that's what and like we even said, this Gregorian calendar, January to December, it's not a Gregorian calendar. It wasn't even in existence till about the 18th century. So yes, it's debatable. We we can debate the dates all that we want, that Christmas and everything. But for us, what is more important to us is the spiritual meaning and significance, the, the, the spiritual events behind, quote-unquote, the pagan celebration is what really matters. Yeah, we can discount the date, but we can't discount the spiritual significance or the events or the story to it. All right. So, yeah, we, yeah, we, we can agree to disagree on the dates and call it a pagan festival because some may say Christmas may mean something else. That's fine. That's not something I will really have bones on. But for me, what is more important to me is the spiritual story, the significance, the, the, the event itself really took place. And it shows. It shows. When people are able to live righteously, when people are able to experience love, joy, peace in the midst of this world, it's too much evidence for me to doubt that Christmas doesn't exist, which means that God actually came on this earth and died for us. So let's just look at the fruits. That should be a bigger picture. Amen. So sometimes I don't really go too much into some of these quote-unquote semantics. It's just not too important. Amen. I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I, I tried. Amen. Yes, thank you. All right. A minute past eight. Lord, we thank... Okay, talk. I, I see that you want to talk. The way you've made yeah, it. Yeah, it's okay. I already saw we were already past eight o'clock when I clicked. Right. I just wanted to kind of add to that little piece of conversation and maybe a question, maybe food for thought. It, you know... We, ha we have a, a, there are pagan holidays that Christians have Christianized, right? My, my thing is, is it really bad if we've taken something to make it about Christ to shift people's mindset? Mm -hmm. All right. So you are thinking of even if it's a pagan holiday, and we Christians decide to add a, a spiritual undertone to it. Is it bad? Or maybe even take it back, oh, right? Okay. Because really, like you said, it, Jesus was actually born at that time. So what is bad if we use it instead to celebrate the birth of Christ? That, that's just kind of like my thinking. And we do that a lot, I think, with, mm -hmm. with things, right? So it becomes like an overall question, you know, Robert's question. I just started thinking about other things that we've taken in, even Halloween, you know, uh, churches, um, instead of, you know, having them trick or treat and dress like ghosts and goblins, they'll say, oh, come to church with your kids. We'll do candy, we'll do activities, and they call it harvest time, you know, <laughs> or something like that. Um, I'm just I'm just saying, is it is it bad if we do that? I guess, or or just 
for us to think about. You know, like, I don't know, it's, maybe it's just food for thought. Uh, I don't think it's bad. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Jesus. He took a Jewish custom, Passover, and then he coined communion out of it. That's Jesus. You know, because when they were having communion, mind you, they were having Passover. That's what they were observing. Jesus took the Passover, flipped it around, and said, I am instituting something out of this Passover called the Lord's Supper. So I don't think I don't think it's wrong. I don't think so. I, I can't take a leaf out of Jesus' book. Amen. So I don't think it's wrong. Amen. All right, four minutes past eight. God bless all of you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Uh, God willing, our Christmas service on Sunday, it's going to be 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. So it's just going to be a one-hour service. So we are not going to have Sunday school. So we are not starting service at 10.30, and then we finish at 11.30. Okay, we are starting service at 10 a.m., and then we finish at 11 a.m. So please, if you come, 10.30, you will just come and meet 30 minutes of the service. Amen. So we start at 10. We are not going to have Sunday school. We go straight into service and, you know, we, we kick off. And then by 11 a.m. sharp, we're done. Amen. We just want to have a very quick, straight to the point service. Uh, a, a good Christmas service. Amen. So we are looking forward. Uh, I hope to see uh, most of you if you are able to make it and and come, you know, God bless you and bring your friends and family. You know, Christmas, for some reason, people just like to go to church on Christmas and New Year's Day. That's the opportunity to invite people. They will not close up. They will all want to come to church. So let's invite them and let's believe that they will receive a good word from God, our minister to them. Amen. So thank you all for attending. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your, your week. Uh, feel the love of God. God loves you. Uh, please don't feel depressed. I, I come against any form of seasonal depression that anybody is going through as a result of Christmas. I pray that may you experience the peace of God that passes on understanding. May it saturate your heart and, and saturate your mind. And like Colossians 3.15 say, let, let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly. We dwell in you richly. I pray that may, may you overflow in peace and then experience his love. And, and have every every cause to celebrate. Well, not because you, you got your favorite shoe or you were able to get that, that seal from Jesus, but because you've understood the reason for Christmas that Jesus came to die for us. God bless you as you arm yourself with that truth and, and sleep good and sleep well. Good night, y'all. God bless. Love you guys.